sitting down with USA Swimming Chief Commercial Officer Shana Ferguson, who is kind enough to take some time to talk to us about the 2024 Olympic trials that will be hosted at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. are just coming off uh, the World Cup stop in Indianapolis. And as such, USA Swimming kind of kicked off our off the blocks uh, with their local organizing committee in their plans uh, for these 2024 Olympic trials. Uh, So first off, Shana, just what did you, were you able to accomplish this weekend um, being in Indianapolis and kind of kicking off um, this, this hosting responsibility for USA Swimming? Well, hi, Coleman. Thank you. First of all, thank you for taking some time on a Sunday as well. Although in the world of swimming, I guess Sundays are work days too, right? So thanks for, <laughs> thanks for hopping on. And my apologies in advance because I am home, obviously. And if the dog barks, I'm going to just giggle and apologize. So there you go. Um, we were very uh, fortunate to have hosted the FINA World Cup in Indianapolis this past week. It was an incredible event. Um, You can't really pick many better cities than Indianapolis for an event like that. But to your point, we did spend quite a bit of time also working on the 2024 Olympic trials while we were there. We would be silly not to, naturally. Um, The city of Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Sports Corp, and just all of the volunteers who have already raised their hands and said they wanted to be a part of our 2024 trials came together this week for something of a, a kickoff, if you will, although kickoff's a little bit um, a little bit of a misnomer. We have been working on this particular event um, really since the since the day the 2020 trials ended. Um, those trials, of course, happened in 2021, but you know what I'm saying. The 2020 trials. Uh, we have been working in earnest on this meet in Indianapolis. We have meetings daily, quite frankly, on all things trials. It is our big event. Some people like to say it's our Super Bowl. I don't like to say that because the Super Bowl happens every year. This happens for us once every four years. So it's bigger than that for us. Um, So we did spend a considerable amount of time this week in Indianapolis, um, certainly ensuring that the FINA World Cup was a technically sound and exciting meet, but also spending time with our friends in Indianapolis, um, continuing the conversation, not just kicking off, but continuing the conversation around trials. The kickoff meeting that um, did occur with the local organizing committee was um, just astonishing and astounding in all the right ways. Um, we've had a couple of meetings with committee leads from the LOC, but this was the first time everyone who has volunteered to be on a committee was invited to attend, and many did. There were, I don't know the exact attendance number, Coleman, but there were easily 150 people in this room, and it was just I don't know, so astounding for me to see this many people from the community give so much of their time, right? These are volunteers who are saying, I want to have a leadership role in bringing the U.S. Olympic trials for swimming to Indianapolis. Um, So much of the work that perhaps USA Swimming has taken on um, in years past for the trials is being assisted by and boosted and quite frankly, led by folks in the Indianapolis community. And that is just a really special 
privilege, privilege, quite honestly. So we have this meeting. I know that's that's what you were asking me about this kickoff meeting. And each of the committee leads introduced their committees, but also gave us updates on the work they're already doing. And we're talking about committees, certainly technical meet operations. That's inarguably the most important committee, right? We've got it. We've got to host the most technically sound meet and send the absolute best team to the Olympic Games in Paris. But the other committees include indie experience, um, legacy uh, projects, um, sales and marketing, um, public affairs and media, just so many different groups of people with expertise throughout the community coming together to figure out how to make this trials meet more than just the greatest swim meet in the world. Um, So we got to hear about how um, communities outside of Indianapolis will be brought into this trials. We got to hear about um, the legacy projects that USA Swimming and the city of Indianapolis are working on together um, to leave behind in you know Indianapolis and the surrounding communities something greater than just the after effects of a swim meet, certainly. Um, so that was what that meeting was and, and the Indianapolis Sports Corps really kind of led that um, along with us. And it was just a nice, again, a kickoff because we get to meet everyone who's been working on it, but really a continuation of the work that's been happening in earnest for many months. Okay, so many. You hit each one of the questions I have. Um, So I have follow-up questions for all these. First of all, you uh, talked about the 2020-2021 Olympic trials, (laughs) um, which, you know, if if you know or don't know, that you guys kind of split that meet into two meets, wave one and wave two. I was fortunate enough to go to and cover both of those meets, and I thought it was a really cool experience um, how you guys did wave one and then ultimately uh, wave two, which was the actual qualifying meet to go to the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Um, I'm a little curious why you chose to go back to the normal format. I mean, obviously wave one, wave two was a response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but why did you choose to go, you know, to not keep that format, uh, but but extend Olympic trials to now a whopping nine days? Yeah, what a good question. First, I'm going to answer the talent of that question because it's a much easier answer. Nine day format because the Olympics in Paris are a nine day format. So FINA announced that quite a bit ago. It only makes good sense that the trials meet would exactly mirror the games. We want our athletes to have the exact same experience. So that's why nine days, nine nights. Um, so that's the, the first answer right there, um, because that's what the program will be in Paris. We decided to go back to one wave, one format for a couple of reasons. The first is, and you touched on it, we went to two waves out of necessity. We wanted every athlete who had made a qualifying time for trials to get the chance to swim in the Olympic trials. But because of COVID, we couldn't have 15, 1600 swimmers and their coaches on the pool deck in the warm-up pool in the pool at the same time. We just couldn't. From a public health perspective, we couldn't do it. So we went through quite a few weeks and months of determining the best way to host a safe meet um, to qualify the best team to go to Tokyo. Remember, that's the ultimate goal. So we were we were juggling this idea of you know the the fastest you know the the top two qualifiers at each meet in each race and the top six qualifiers and then realize how do we certainly uncover who those folks are while also not robbing those athletes who qualify for trials but probably aren't going to make the games we don't want to rob them of that trials experience for many people that is the summit of their um, swimming careers 
let's also not forget how incredibly difficult it is to make an Olympic trials meet. I was a division one swimmer in college. I can tell you right now, Coleman, I didn't even know what the trials cuts were. That's how fast Olympic trials qualifiers are, right? So it's important to note that we wanted every single athlete who qualified um, with your Olympic trial standards to be able to swim in that meet. So how are we going to make that happen when we are operating? I mean, let's not forget how awful things were just a year and a half ago with COVID. Um, and so that's why we split it into two two separate meets, quite honestly. So kind of the top half we're swimming in, if you will, the top half of the qualifiers are swimming in wave two. The bottom half, if you will, of qualifiers were in wave one. Um, with with wave one qualifiers in each race, you know, the top two qualifiers in each race automatically getting to go to wave two. It was a compromise, Coleman. It wasn't the best solution. Well, it was the best solution we had, and it was a compromise moving away from having one wave. The surprise in all of that was how lovely it was to see some of those athletes who got a second swim who wouldn't have ordinarily gotten a second swim. It was neat to see them swimming at night. It was neat to see them getting a little bit of media attention, getting some on-deck interviews and doing all of that exciting stuff, as well as, you know, the top two being able to go to wave two. But ultimately, 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 those athletes didn't qualify for the games. So why then go back to one wave when that was kind of a surprisingly neat meet, right? Like that was a surprise. We were criticized initially. And then afterwards it was like, well, maybe I kind of liked that. <laughs> but we're back to one wave for a couple of reasons. The um, the experience of having 15 to 1600 athletes in that meet is unlike any other. Um, the arena is much more charged, as you can imagine. Those athletes who are, let's call them wave one qualifiers, want to be on the pool deck with Katie. They want to see... I should I should specify which Katie now we've got so many great ones, right? Like those 15 and 16 year olds should be near Katie Grimes. They should. They should get the chance to swim in the same pool as her. So that is really um, kind of the emotional and exciting reason behind it. But the practical reason behind it is. That two wave, let's call it 20 day section of time is a lot of strain on those coaches, on some of those parents on some of those team administrators who are in, you know, the trials venue for 20 days. That's a lot. Some of those people. media personalities, media I'll personalities, <laughs> staff, <laughs> um, the folks who are cleaning the pool every day. Like that's, there's some resource constraints, certainly. Um, but the number one reason really is because the competitive experience for those athletes, for them all to be there at the same time. And now we're in this massive venue, right? We're at Lucas Oil Stadium. For the first time ever, there'll be an Olympic swim trials in a football stadium. It can hold 15 to 1600 athletes and more, right? So, so that's why we'll bring everybody together um, for just a really exciting, really charged nine days of competition. Before I go into uh, the sheer massive space of, of Lucas Oil and what's that, what that will entail... I have one quick follow-up on that. In years past, or rather in trials past, um, before Wave 1 and Wave 2, USA Swimming would have a test event um, for trials that was kind of like that four-day or three-day meet, that was a little similar to um, Wave 1, but you know, just kind of a test meet where people could go swim in the in the uh, trials pool. Is Do you guys have anything like yes. that on the books yet? Yeah, we will. We have to do a test event, Coleman. 
um, to be quite frank, we need to make sure everything works properly. So that's what that test, it truly is a test event is to make sure the timing system works, the measurements of the pool are right, everything, um, the filtration system is working, that our meat operations are ready to go. So yes, we will indeed have a test event the weekend before the first weekend of trials, because a nine-day trial spans two weekends. We will do a test event. It will incorporate club swimmers, um, which is really exciting. We haven't necessarily announced any of this yet, because we're still working through the particulars of it. But don't think of it as um, you know any of those trial swimmers swimming in this. This is more of of a club invitational, if you will. Mm-hmm. Awesome! So yeah. excited to hear more about that in the coming months. I'm assuming, but probably, yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so moving on to uh, Lucas Oil, I know that there will be three pools, right? There will be the comp pool. There will be a long course warm-up warm down and a short course meters warm-up warm down, I believe. Um, can you give me a few specifics on just what goes in to constructing three pools in a football stadium or what you guys, what hoops you guys have gone through with that particular aspect of it so far? So what you're looking at right here, you are standing in about the 50-yard line, if you will, in, in Lucas Oil Stadium. The north end is to your is to the left, the south end is to the right. That doesn't matter. Who cares what north-south? <laughs> but what we're going to do is drop a large, black, heavy, sound barrier-ish um, curtain, right? Let's call it at the 50-yard line. Mm-hmm. Over here to the right is where the competition venue is. To the left of the curtain is where you see the warm-up and warm-down pool. Important to note that the warm-up and warm-down pool pools, if you will, there's a long course and a short course are bigger than they have been in the past. We added extra lanes. So now we just have so much, so, so, so much space for these athletes to, um, to warm up and warm down. This is just a render too, as you can imagine, this is an artistic render. Um, (laughs) But the idea here is that really half of the stadium becomes a competition area and the other half becomes warm up, warm down, but also athlete, um, um, athlete and coach areas. That's where their hospitality will be. That's where their physio will be. That's where their quiet areas will be. Will be. Um, all of their services will be provided kind of in that other half of that football stadium, if you will, um, with a lot more space for us to be able to offer so much more to them. We actually did a tour while we were in Indianapolis with some of our national teamers. We wanted them to see it and feel it. Um, and, and really the number one reaction we got besides being able to be on the Colts field, because there was turf down and they were on the Colts field. Um, but they really were excited about the, the, the thought that we were putting into, um, really the special areas that they would have for quiet, for reflection, for stretching, for physio, for food, for all of those things, um, to make that athlete behind the scenes experience, the most optimal one that it can be. So you see over here on the competition side, because that's the fun stuff, um, we will have approximately seating for 30,000 people. Now, to put this in reference for you, in Omaha, the capacity was 14,000, one four. So this mm-hmm. is more than twice um, the capacity for um, for a fan experience. That is awesome. Remember, too, that it's now nine days and nine nights. So we've now got 30,000 seats to sell Um for nine days and nine nights, which gives those of us in sales and marketing a little bit of a little bit of nervousness, but um, but also this is this is really the meat of the century, right? And something unlike anything we've ever done before. So thank goodness we have an incredible community in Indianapolis and a bunch of people. There was like a 20-person sales and marketing volunteer committee that's going to help us sell tickets. 
Um, we've got the um, the head of the uh, Indianapolis Speedway is heading up the sales and marketing committee and selling 30,000 seats is nothing to the to the people who sell hundreds of thousands of seats to the Speedway. So um, we've got some really great folks helping us figure out how to sell out, you know, half of, of a football stadium, nine days and nine nights in a row. That was my next question, really. A meet of this magnitude has, has, like you said, it's the meet of the century. We've never seen anything like this. How do you approach it differently from a marketing standpoint, knowing that the goal is trying to sell 30,000 tickets for nine days as opposed to 14,000 for eight days? It's a good question, Coleman. I will tell you, we've been lucky in the last few Olympic trials in Omaha, we sold out. Let's let's not talk about the 2020, 2021 trials where we can only sell to half capacity because of, because of COVID and, and safety restrictions. That Obviously, we sold that out easily. But before that, before COVID, we had already sold out the 2020 trials in its entirety for eight nights uh, a year out. So we know that the demand is there, but is the demand there for a venue twice as large? Who's to say, right? We've got some seats up in the 600 level that you might think wouldn't be that great of a viewing experience. But one thing I want you to remember is when we build these pools two and a half meters off the ground, you're losing about 12 rows of seating. The pool is much higher than the football field is. So actually those higher level seats do have a little bit better vantage point, but still, way, way up in the rafters might not be the best um, the best viewing experience. So there are a few things we will do to, to mitigate that. The first is we're going to drop a center hung scoreboard, in, you know, right at mid pool. You can, may, might be able to see this on the render, but again, for anybody who's listening, you couldn't see that. A huge center hung scoreboard that, that, they're, that they don't currently have in Lucas Oil Stadium. That helps with the viewing experience in addition to the large scoreboards that are already mounted at the corners of the football stadium. Now, the you can see in this render, there's one scoreboard in one corner. The other corner will be will be blocked to the, to the um, fans because it's on the other side of that curtain, but it provides a huge viewing experience for those athletes and coaches in the warm up and warm down area, bigger than they've ever had before. So that's good. Um, but the, but the selling of the tickets is certainly um, top of mind for us. And there are a few things we're going to do a little bit creatively. We're going to get clubs and teams in en masse. We're going to get school kids in en masse. We are going to um, encourage those who might not have necessarily been interested in a swim meet to come in and see um, big-time athletes qualify for the Olympics. And we'll do that through some different community programs. Swim lessons and, and teaching kids how to swim in the Indianapolis area is of great um, concern and importance to us as part of our legacy leave behind. So we're going to bring in swim lesson providers and kids who are just learning how to float, kids who are just learning how to be comfortable in the water um, to, to watch this meet and perhaps become inspired by, um, by some greatness in the water. So we will sell most of these tickets but in terms of community outreach and exposing more people to the sport of swimming, we will also be gifting some of these tickets to community groups and learn to swim programs and um, and the like, if you will. So we will fill those seats. Naturally, we're going to sell as many as we can, but we'll get we'll fill that building for sure. This this swim meet is going to impact the community of Indianapolis. It's not just going to be a swim meet. Um, you partnered with UC Swimming partnered with Indiana Sports Corp. Um, you're committing a total of 400,000 to legacy projects, as, as you mentioned, um, to ensure increased access to water for children in underserved areas in the Indianapolis region. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if you could just hit on that topic a little bit yeah. more 
of how this meet will impact the entire city, the entire region, um, and not just be a swim meet. Thank you. This is something that we're proud of and, and really working in earnest to build right now. Joel Shittafield from the USA Swimming Team is leading this aspect of this program for us. Um, he is um, con- he, he has been connecting with community leaders in a few different projects. One of them is working through um, the idea of creating legislation that requires that all second graders in Indianapolis are mandated to to be exposed to swim lessons, to be given swim lessons. So we're working on, you know, projects like that, that would be leave behinds. There is a coach education um, and coach resource gifting um, um, component to the legacy projects. We're talking about pool refurbishments and pool rebuilds. Um, Naturally, those cost far more than $400,000, but we have the expertise and the knowledge um, to, to help particular um, uh, facilities with improving their their um, their offerings. So we're looking at uh, a couple of different pools that might need some help with uh, refurbishment and rebuilds. Um, there are a few different things like that um, that we're working through to see, you know, there are some underserved teams, some teams that struggled through COVID that will likely need a little bit of a boost. Again, we're focusing, focusing on the Indianapolis region not because the other regions and the other clubs and the other learn to swim programs throughout the U.S. aren't important to us, but because we are bringing trials here, we want to show how, to your point, this little swim meet, uh, this large swim meet, if you will, can leave um, more than just the footprint of this of this swim meet behind. So through coach education and increased coaching resources, um, through uh, swim lesson um, legislation and, and working towards there being legislation for swim lessons, um, as well as some pool refurbishments and rebuilds. And we think we'll be able to build kind of a holistic program around this. And what I want to make clear to you, Coleman, too, is the plan isn't to have the legacy projects done in June of 2024. And hey, guys, thanks for a great meet. We'll see you later. The plan is to put all of these projects into place leading into trials so that they can sustain themselves when we leave, right? So it isn't that we're all done, it's over, this this has been great. We're on to the next. But did we put the right people and the right expertise and the right facilities into place to ensure that more kids have access to water, that more adults who don't know how to swim now have the tools to learn how to swim? That's really the whole goal of this and why the word legacy really, really pertains here. We want to leave behind something that can sustain itself and that can just bring more interest and more access uh, to swimming to the community, which I mean, Indianapolis is already a swimming rich community. There's no doubt about it. There are so many pools in Indianapolis and so many competitive swimmers and so much great talent that comes out of the city. But there are also a lot of young kids and adults who don't know how to swim or who have never been exposed to the sport or the life-saving skill of swimming. So that's really the important pieces of this legacy project. Bringing it back to the near future or nearer future, rather, um, the qualifying period starts just at the end of this month on November 30th for these 2024 Olympic trials. Being at USA Swimming, does does having the qualifying period open and available to all USA swimming athletes add, you know, a level of excitement or can you kind of feel that shift once it's like, okay, 
now the qualifying periods open does does this does it make it more real or or more it does well it feels pretty real now because we're meeting every day about it (laughs) i tell people (laughs) i alternately wish that the trial started tomorrow and that we had another two years right i wish both things um so it, it feels pretty real but once the qualifying period opens um i don't it does become a little bit more joyful um, we've got some folks really close to the to the USA Swimming family. We've got some folks who've got some kids who are right on the cusp of trials qualifying times, which makes it even more personal for us, right? So um, it makes each meet that we're hosting and each meet that's being sanctioned um, all that more important, if you will, and all that more um, dramatic. Um, so we're ready. I mean, the count the countdown is on. We're ready to go. Well, again, Shana, thank you so much for taking the time on your Sunday afternoon That's to sit down and discuss Sunday all too. of this. Um, am I missing anything or is there anything that you'd like to hit on uh, before we sign off today? No, I do want to tease something though. I thought you were going to ask me when tickets are going to go on sale. Um, you're we're, I know, I know. That's all right. I'm going <laughs> to bad, you- bad journalism. That's okay. That's okay. Um, I can't release the date just yet, but we're going to let you guys know first. Okay. Um, but it'll be soon which seems crazy that tickets would be on sale already, but we are 500. Oh, I should know this. The other day it was 590. So we're about 585 days away from trials. Maybe it's 586 or 584, but 585 ish days away from trials. Um, And we're going to, we're going to move pretty quick, um, pretty soon with, um, ticket sales. We are going to offer ticket sales in a couple of waves, back to the waves discussion. Um, certainly ticket sales to the general public are most important and the thing we want to shout about the most. Um, but we also think there are some pretty important um, folks who probably should get a little bit of a sneak peek in, in ticket sales. And so to that end, um, we'll let you know, but we're going to do a pre-sale for um for USA Swimming members and some other really important um, um, folks to us to us um, at USA Swimming. So um, we'll get you all those dates really soon, um, but we're excited. We're ready to go. We're finalizing all of the art so that we can push all of this, all these fun announcements. But pretty soon you'll hear about a pre-sale for USA Swimming members and then the on-sale date for the general public. Can you say if that will be in 2022? Ooh, so provocative. No, I can't. <laughs> but, right. but, but we're going to tell you very, very soon. So you won't have to wait until the end of 22. We'll tell you the date soon. How's that? Deal. I just, I'm not Deal. Say, okay, there you go. All right. Okay. <laughs> You've been listening to the Swim Swam Podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam Podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.